0: Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle, medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness. Bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins, and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned, we're going to teach you how to experience growth daily.
1: up, everybody? Uh, i got to say, I get super excited when we get a chance to talk to another Dr. Dad. Uh, and so we've got a special guest today. David, how are you, buddy? I'm
0: fantastic, brother. How have you been?
1: Good. Yeah, we were just talking about uh, being on the slopes uh, before getting on this call. And uh, I happen to be out there, uh, not Whistler, but uh, another local mountain called Cyprus. And we were teaching my little guy how to ski. Or I, I should say I was watching while he was getting a lesson. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because when, it, when it's me teaching him, I, it's funny, like all that... You know, those cool, calm parenting skills that you know you really want to show up as. They just don't come across all that well when you're trying to teach your little guy to ski. So we figured that it was time to put him into a lesson. I've learned that valuable time. lesson. Oh, yeah, yeah, man.
0: I'm with you. I've learned that valuable lesson. Let yeah. somebody else yeah. teach him. They'll probably listen better.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, we're going to talk to a Dr. Dad, and I'm going to introduce him a little bit. And basically, you know, one of the things that David and I have talked about in this um podcast many times is about performance and how to show up as a a better not just a better man but a better human and and you know what are some of the things that maybe we're missing in our health plan or how do we feel more optimal in our body and we know the hormonal system plays a huge role in that Uh, but you know speaking to these expertise you know it's great I mean we still I feel so fortunate that we got a chance to connect with our guest today because he's going to bring in all this amazing information he's got this Bible of a book that I've just been loving. There's so much crazy good information there. It's called The 21st Century Man by Dr. Judson Brandis, and uh, so he's an award-winning urologist and sexual medicine expert, clinical researcher, physician educator, and a caring clinician and surgeon. He's a graduate of Brown University and Vanderbilt University School of Medicine with uro- 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 urologic. Man, goodness, Judson, how do I say that? Your logic. Your logic. Surgery residency at UCLA and a postdoc fellowship at Harvard. Today, he specializes in the emerging field of sexual health and medicine. Dr. Judson, thank you for correcting my English and uh, for being here with <laughs> oh, us. Oh, man, it's today. a mouthful, <laughs> huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> amazing? I mean, I don't always love uh, going over uh, someone's bio, but it, it adds so much credibility to the kind of uh, doctor that you are and the kind of experience you've had. So, um, there was a part in the book that I'd love to start with and it was one of your last chapters and is really speaking to your adversity because I think what's really helpful to, is to, you know, appreciate the, the gentleman that we're speaking to as a, as a really compl- uh, you know, really, um, uh, an individual who has gone a long way in his field of expertise, but also the man and his character. And, you know, you went through some challenging times, you know, kind of dismantling the relationships you have with your current, you know, um, business uh situation that you're in and then you went into private practice uh, can you can you start off a little bit of just giving
2: people a sense of what life has been like over the last couple of years and let's dive in yeah i mean that was my hero's journey everyone uh has an opportunity i think in life for a hero's journey and that hero's journey can be when you're 12 or 15 years old it can be when you're 20 or 30 years old for me it was when i was 50 Right, And it, it wasn't that I hadn't done anything difficult up until that point. I'd done a lot of difficult things. I mean, I went through a surgical residency where I was up every third night for, for six years. So that was really tough. And I had pioneered surgical robotics and done some really amazing things. But it wasn't until I discovered sexual medicine and went in a different direction than my partners did. And all they wanted to do is sell themselves to the hospital. And I just decided, listen, I'm not the kind of person that likes to work for other people. I like to work for myself. I like to be creative. I'm driven. And I don't want to work for the hospital. And they rewarded me by firing me. And, and unceremoniously firing me. And it's a, it's a really long story. I don't even get into a fraction of it in the book um, but I went from, you know, one day making a decent living uh, in a job that I've had for 20 years and really the only job I'd ever had to the next day not having a job, not having a source of income, having four kids in, in junior high school and high school, you know, facing four college tuitions, four graduate school tuitions. And, you know, urology jobs aren't like primary care jobs where there's a lot of them. You know, maybe in a, a city there's a handful and we all know each other. Everyone knew the whole story. And so I had to pick myself up. I mean, there was one day where I was furious, the next day where, you know, I was just in total disbelief. And after that, I just had to start working my ass off. And I had to be creative and I had to pull in every resource that I had accumulated over 20, 25 years. And it really took a good three years. You know, COVID didn't really help things in the middle of all that. For me to put together the medical practice that I have now, which is, you know, I just love going to work every day because I, I can make such a dramatic difference in people's lives. So I used to do the whole, people are sick, let's get them better, and now I get a lot of men who are in pretty good shape, but I teach them how to excel. I teach them how to be proactive about their health, how to um, build muscle improve hormone therapy, um, lose weight, improve sexual performance, uh, and understand sort of the psychology of of getting older and how to maximize their life potential. It's really cool.
1: It's amazing. I
2: mean, I always love hearing
1: these, you know, really influential people that are, that, you know, life makes sense. It's It's comfortable. It's, you know... And then and then there's a bump in the road for that really is it's like an activation really and that's the way I see it that the the people really get to rise up in a, in a whole new way that they weren't just paying attention to before and the circumstances as challenging and crappy they were to go through no doubt it's it's really like what allowed you to really you know shine in a new kind of way you know complete this <laughs> I mean this is this is a thick book people it is full of amazing information and you know just it's kind of like this cherry on the top, I imagine, for you to be able to really share in a new kind of way.
2: Yeah, I mean, I understood that one of the the real talents that I have, and we all have talents in life, one of the talents that I have is really to connect with patients, that I, I genuinely care about my patients. And I'm really good at explaining difficult concepts in a way that people can understand, and especially connecting with men. I understand how to motivate men. I understand how to get Men, you know, get their ass off the couch and, and really do the things that that it, they've been trying to do for a long time, but they just don't quite understand how to, to motivate them. And a lot of times when their spouses come in to see me, they pull me aside and they're like, listen, I've been telling my husband to do these things for 20 years. And for some reason, he's he listens to you and I don't care who he listens to, whether it's me or you, I'm just glad that he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just that I just over the years, I've seen thousands and thousands of men, and I just kind of understand the secret sauce of how to get inside a man's head, whether it's uh, like I had a patient who was a dentist uh, and had been smoking all his life and just couldn't quit. And I said, the only thing I want you to do is write 13 years lives of life lost on a piece of paper and put it up on your daughter's door, their bedroom door. So that every time you walk into their room, you realize that if you continue to smoke, you're going to lose 13 years of your life expectancy. And, you know, he came back to me two months later and he's like, you know what? I stopped smoking. That's amazing. You know, so sometimes it's that. And sometimes it's, you know, there was this uh, patient I had who I could tell he and his wife were going in sort of in separate directions and he was hiding at work. He didn't have to work nearly as much as he was working because he, you know, he was pretty wealthy. And I just looked him in the eye and I said, what the fuck are you doing? And he just was like, you can't talk to me like that. And, and two weeks later he came in and he's like, you know, I really want to thank you for for what you said to me. And I was like, okay, I was a little nervous about it. (laughs) And he said, you know, I just needed someone to look me in the eye and just shock me into into realizing that I was hiding from what I needed to do. And so it's, you know, everyone needs tough love and in their own way, you know, including me, Uh, you know, I'm not immune to any of this stuff. Um, But, but I've learned a lot over 25 years, not just about urology, not about sexual function and muscle building, but just about men and how to motivate them. And this book was kind of like the culmination. I wanted to be able to reach not just the two or three new patients that I see every day, but I wanted to be able to reach thousands of men or hundreds of thousands or millions of men and, and give them every ounce of knowledge that I've accumulated over my career. And then also the, because I don't know everything about everything. So who's the cardiologist that I turn to when I have questions about the heart or who's the ophthalmologist that I have questions uh, for when I have issues with the eye. And so this is just my network of folks from Brown, from Vanderbilt, from Harvard, from UCLA, from private practice up in Northern California, because we have a great medical community up here and just kind of the accumulated intelligence of all those people.
1: Yeah. It it really felt like, you know, going through the book, it really felt like it was, it was a tribe like it was this massive community that was you know supporting the work that you're delivering to the world and I mean it really feels like yeah hey I want to learn a little bit more about I don't know um yeah muscle building or I want to learn a little bit more about heart health or want to learn a little bit more about something and and just the way that it's laid out I think is really it's a it's practical it's it's very informative and so there's a lot of nuggets in there I think they're going to be really helpful for so many men uh, and women too I mean I mean, you know, I love the stories you shared about that. You know, really knowing how to build that rapport to connect with someone in order to elicit or support a change to take place. Because, I mean, how many times, like, all, all of us men see often the wives come into the clinic first and they start talking about their their husband and saying, "I would really love to see my husband change, uh, maybe some behavior." And sometimes it, you know, takes that little bit more provocation as a man to like, you know, snap out of it. You know, there's there's something within you that's calling you forward to be a better.
2: You know, a better version of yourself. So I love that. I
1: want you know to what's a, some of, yeah, yeah, go, sorry, ahead,
2: go ahead. Go ahead. I, I mean, gonna, yeah. an, an amazing gizmo I have in my office is a, an in-body in body composition analysis machine. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you can see what the percentage of body fat is, how much fat you're carrying, what your left arm is, what your right arm is, what your legs are. Guys respond to numbers. Women, I think these are all generalizations, but women look in the mirror or look at pictures and say, you know, I need to do this. I need to do that. But guys love numbers. Mm -hmm. And when you can move the numbers for them, they really get motivated. Uh, And I've had just like, I have this series of men over the age of 60, where I have a, a muscle building and fat loss and overall health protocol where I can build five to 10 pounds of muscle in men over 60, while I'm losing 10 or 20 pounds of fat for them. It's just astonishing. And it's just like, these guys just like blossom. It's really just amazing.
1: That's awesome. Well, that's, that's one of the questions I want to dive in uh, with you a little bit more in, in detail. Um, and then what, but what I want to do is just go through some of the more common, I guess, complaints that men have, you know, when they hit their 40s, and things start to, to go south, so to speak. Um, but before we go there, David, do you want to do you want to lead in with anything?
0: No, I'm just listening to him talk. I have a couple of questions just off what we're talking about before we jump ship to something else is, you know, you're a creator, right? And that's a big part of who you are. Did you see a big change when you went from, you know, the, the hospital type setting and you got to like step into this, this private practice of getting really to just kind of shine through with what you were wanting to do? Like, I know that you've come a long way in just three years, but what's it like
2: now for you, man? Yeah, you know, it was, I was kind of dragging my group along because I had a lot of the really innovative business ideas. I've always been one of these people that sees sort of what's coming down the pipe. Like we had the second Da Vinci surgical robot in the country. I was one of the first private practice guys in the country to use um, NMRI guided prostate biopsy system. Uh, I was about to initiate a DNA testing, RNA testing of uh, microbiology uh, before I left the group. I mean, I'm just like, I, I see technology, and I'm like, God, that's the thing that's going to be next. And so now that I don't have anyone to slow me down, uh, it's it's really amazing what I'm doing. I mean, I have this study called the P-Long study, which is a penile elongation and augmentation study. Right? It's uh, listed by the, um, the NIH, clinicaltrials.gov. It's IRB approved. And To be perfectly honest, I could care less how long guys penises are, but because of what I do, I see the disasters. So guys that go for penile uh, augmentation with fillers or fat, you know, that only lasts for a couple of years. And then you get this lumpy, bumpy penis or uh, guys will have surgeries like the E-list implant or uh, ligation of the uh, suspensory ligament. And, and you can have disastrous complications from that. And so I see these guys and I'm like, well, that's got to be a better way because more than 50% of men want to have a bigger penis, right? 300,000 women a year get breast implants. So let's not be judgmental, right? <laughs> you know, more than 50% of guys want to have a bigger penis. So I use the combination of PRP. I have a double spin, uh, high volume PRP um, machine, and a traction device and a suction device and a supplement that I make called Affirm which is a nitric oxide boosting supplement and I'm getting amazing results improving both length girth and function of the penis so that was just like you know an idea I had I connected with Charles Ronalds who invented the p-shot and the o-shot and the vampire facelift Um, you know he gave me a little bit of money and some kits and and uh, and off and running and you know, by the end of the year at the sexual medicine society of North America meeting, I'm going to be presenting this data. And it's like, guys have been trying to get their penis bigger for 2000 years. And here I am in San Ramon at this, you know, little office and figure it out. That's That's amazing. It's like, what the hell you're going to have,
1: you're going to have people wondering like, what are, what are some of those results? Like, what are you, what are you noticing? What are the, yeah, we're getting
2: about, uh, almost an inch in length and about a quarter of an inch in girth over a period of about seven months. Hmm. And it's symmetrical growth, whereas some of these things, like if you squirt filler or uh, fat in a penis, you get a thick shaft, you don't get any better length, and you still have a thin head, so it looks like a pig in a blanket. (laughs) Wouldn't want to eat it, but that's what it looks like. (laughs)
1: oh man
0: well that's awesome so you get you're outside of your box now and i'd imagine that like you're just shining a bigger. yeah i mean
2: i had a, another study i presented at the smsna a couple months ago on using high intensity focused electromagnetic waves so something called the mcela chair um, to improve the intensity and duration of ejaculation oh wow you know it's the first technology ever to improve ejaculation and orgasm which you know i'm not curing cancer but it's something.
1: With quality of life, man. I mean, that's, uh, yeah. Went. And you know,
2: I had a patient, uh, a couple of months ago, he's a 65 year old attorney. Hadn't had an orgasm in in five or six years. And, uh, you know, he came in to see me, uh, a couple of weeks after we had started treatment and, you know, I could see a tear in his eye and he just came and he gave me a big hug and he said, you know, it's the first orgasms I've had in, in five or six years. Wow. I mean, it's that's just weird. really cool. I mean, it just, it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm giving people back a part of their life that's really important to them that that gives them quality of life, not just quantity of life. Mm-hmm.
1: I love that we when we got into the male, male sexual health problems, we just hit the ground running, went right to penis length. And I think that, that's a that's a fun way to start. <laughs> um, what you know, what is the what's the expected frequency for someone to come in for those treatments? Yeah, even for the the other elder, elder gentleman that you spoke to.
2: Yeah. Once a month. Well, so, uh, for the P long study, it's PRP once a month for six months and the traction and the suction and the affirm supplement. Cool.
1: So there, where, where are we injecting the, the PRP? And for people who maybe don't know what that is, platelet rich plasma, um, are we, are you talking just under the, like, is it a subcutaneous injection? No, no it's
2: in the corpora. So okay. the, so the, the penile anatomy, you have three tubes you have a left and a right tube. Those are the called the corpora cavernosa, or the erectile bodies, and those are the ones that fill up with blood and feel firm. And they have a really tight, uh, thick um, fascia around them. And then the urethra is the tube that goes below the corpora. And uh, the joke is always that you know God was an engineer because he put a recreational line through. I mean, I uh, put a waistline through a recreational area. <laughs> Right. And so, you know, so platelets in the body have two functions. So I don't, probably most people out there don't know what PRP is. So PRP is platelet-rich plasma and platelets have two functions. One is to cause a clot, but the second is really important also, and that's to initiate proliferation of cells, right? So it's actually God, the good Lord designed this beautiful system where the platelets race in there. They form a clot. When they become activated, they put these arms out called pseudopods. They grab onto each other. They form this web, fibrin and red blood cells and all this stuff gets caught in there. It forms a clot. But then when the platelets put their arms out, they release these things called alpha granules and alpha granules are packed with growth factors. So 141 different growth factors have been identified in platelets. So it's kind of like my, uh, my plumber when he comes to the house because this big truck and he's got every pipe and fitting known to man, right? So platelets have to have every growth factor known to man because the platelets don't know whether they're going to be fixing brain tissue or spleen tissue or toe tissue or whatever. And so if you isolate the platelets from blood and you do that by throwing it in a centrifuge, the red blood cells have iron, so they go to the bottom, the plasma is just water. So it goes to the top and in the middle you get the platelets and the white blood cells. So if you suck out the platelets and the white blood cells, then you can use that to stimulate growth really anywhere in the body. So in orthopedics, they inject knees and hips. And you you hear all the time about basketball players and football players getting that to accelerate healing. You can also use it for your hair. Mm -hmm. It will improve density of hair growth about 20, 30, 40%. um, And you can inject it into the penis or the clitoris or the face uh, to accelerate the growth of those tissues also. And so, you know, it was really interesting. My, my wife was pregnant with our twins a long, long time ago. She had uh, braces put on and her orthodontist just couldn't believe how fast her teeth moved. He said, your teeth moved three times faster than any other patient I've ever had that was an adult. And the reason is because she has so much growth factor floating around because she had twins that, that the teeth moved really fast because the you know you when you move something you break something down and then rebuild something and so that was the principle that i used um, when i designed the p-long study and when we use prp for a variety of things
1: and and there's a synergy there right like are you using the shockwave machine along with you said the there's a suction device and you know so there's some synergy there with some of the other different yeah so we don't
2: you know in the p-long study we wanted to basically isolate that the PRP was responsible for the growth. So we intentionally gotcha. didn't use the, the shockwave therapy, the gains wave, because, you know, that way you're not quite exactly sure what, what's working, but, you know, it made sense to me intuitively that you use growth factor and then you guide the growth.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, love it. That's awesome. Uh, I'm sure you're going to get a lot more phone calls. Uh, not that your phone's already bringing it off the hook, but, <laughs> uh, so let's, let's jump to some other stuff. I mean, cause that's a big one, right. Uh, how men feel about their body. Uh, another one, like, let's talk about, um, uh, prostate health. I mean, this is a common misconception, maybe for some people, like there's a whole discussion around, uh, t- testosterone uh, supplementation or, you know, injections and things like that around the prostate? Is this good? Is this bad? What about the estrogen? Like, what are some of the things you think about when it comes to prostate health?
2: Yeah. So Gary Donovitz, who's the CEO of BioT, which is the largest testosterone replacement company in the United States, wrote an amazing chapter on testosterone. And uh, I wrote the chapter on prostate. And so, you know, the two main issues, really three main issues, but uh, prostatitis or prostate infections are relatively uncommon as compared to an enlarged prostate and prostate cancer. An enlarged prostate is tends to be a benign process, and that benign process obstructs or restricts urination. And so guys tend to get irritative or obstructive voiding symptoms. So irritative symptoms are like urinary frequency, urgency, getting up at night to urinate, burning on urination blood in the urine, urinary tract infections, and then obstructive symptoms tend to be like a slow urinary stream or, you know, waiting a couple minutes to get going or intermittency, which is stop and start, or feeling like you're not fully emptied at the end. And so the prostate does make, uh, the testosterone does make the prostate grow, um, testosterone gets converted into something called dihydrotestosterone and dihydrotestosterone is responsible for accelerating the growth of the prostate. So when we hit 40 or 50 or 60, you get a higher percentage of what we call DHT and you get all those wonderful things like hair loss on your head, nose hair, ear hair, and an enlarged prostate. And that's why a lot of people take a medication like finasteride or or Proscar because that blocks the conversion of testosterone into dihydrotestosterone. But there's, in the the, uh, prostate chapter there's, it's really written as an advice chapter. It's not written as a reference book because the thing is like, for example, when I started doing robotic surgery in 2002, I went back to UCLA in 2004 and I said, this is amazing. You guys got to see this. I have a videotape of me doing a robotic prostatectomy, and I can see the anatomy so much better than, than I ever could doing it open. And my professors were like, nah, you, there's no way you can do a better job than we can do it open. And then two years after that, all of a sudden they decided, wow, you know, not from me, but like watch, maybe watching from some other people. You know this is great, and then two years after that, they're teaching everyone how to do it. You know, same thing with UCSF. I used to get the referrals from UCSF in two thousand three, two thousand four, and then by two thousand six, you know, all of a sudden they become the experts. So the chapter is filled with stuff that, like, will probably be standard of care in two, three, four years. For example, in the in the chapter, I say. Anyone with an elevated PSA, if your urologist wants to do a prostate biopsy, make sure you get an MRI before you do that. Mm. Right. And still, probably 50% of urologists in the country aren't doing prostate MRIs. But when I was, before I was doing prostate MRIs, a third of the time when I did a prostate biopsy, I would come up with cancer. And that was pretty standard. You know, almost everyone in the country, that was about the ratio of, of biopsies to prostate cancer. And when I, I've been doing them with uh, MRI-guided biopsies, I'm at 85%. So I'm not biopsying the guys that don't need it. And when I am biopsying guys, I'm making sure that I actually get the tumor. So, But that's not quite standard of care. It'll probably be standard of care in a year or two or three because not everyone has the technology. Um, there are still sort of papers to be written. But as a private practice urologist who kind of understands how technology evolves, I can say what I want. I can give you my opinion. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about this book is that they are experts in every field relating to men's health, but no one in the book is, is held back because they're at a fancy university or they're going to be criticized by their colleagues for what they're saying. Love
1: it. Go ahead, David.
2: No, and that's beautiful.
0: We need that. I mean, like, kind of like you were talking earlier, there's a lot of hurdles to jump for a lot of people because they're afraid of saying something because of an invested interest they have in something or they don't want to offend this or legal and stuff like that. So I love it that you got all these people in this book to really just share the medicine of what is needed and, and where to, I mean, just the prostate thing, like get an MRI before you do a biopsy. I mean, that's huge. Most people don't know that. And they're just going to take the advice of their doctor and, because apparently, I guess we know everything, right? And so that's typically what happens. I mean, we've all probably heard horror stories from patients that come in where they did things that were like, oh my God, why did you do that? Um, but yeah, man, it's huge. I mean, this information needs to be shared. And My hat's off to you, man, because this stuff's so important. And it's almost yeah. like
2: you have the man's Bible to take care of himself, man. Like, yeah, the um, Randy Hetrick, the the head of TRX, called it the dude Bible. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So, you know, and I th- you get to a point that, it, that I think is really important, you know, as all three of us being doctors, that I, I don't believe in the model of, you know, the doctor on the top of the hill telling everyone what to do, um, especially in this day and age with health insurance, which fortunately I don't take health insurance anymore, but they, Cerner did a study, looked at a hundred million charts and figured out that people are at their doctor's office for 16 minutes and 14 seconds, which is not a lot of time. And so I encourage my patients to form a partnership with their doctor. And what I mean by that is it's your job to give your doctor the information that he or she needs to do a really good job taking care of you. And what that means is you come in with your medical history, you come in with your medications, you come in with your labs, you come in with your imaging studies, you come in with a history of present illness, So that you say, you know, I hurt my back a week ago. It hurts more on the left side than the right side. It started out as a 10 out of 10. Now it's a five out of 10. I took Advil. I had a similar episode of like this 10 years ago and I got an MRI and I want to get an MRI. And then you come in with a list of questions and you type it all up and you hand it to your doctor at the very beginning of the visit. You'll get a big smile from your doctor. Your doctor, like I have a dictaphone. I just voice dictate. It'll take me three or four minutes to pull through all the pertinent information. And guess what? All of a sudden, if I only have 16 minutes to see you, I got 13 minutes to ask you a bunch of more follow-up questions, formulate a plan, tell you what I think I'm going to do, prescribe some medications, tell you about the side effects of the medications, and then give you an opportunity to ask questions. But if that doctor has to sit there and, and pull information out of you... At 15 minutes, he's going to start looking at his watch going, I got another patient uh, coming to see me and uh, I don't really have time to explain everything to you. So, you know, don't go in there talking about the weather, talking about, you know, your cat. I mean, my lawyer is $750 an hour. I know it's like 12 bucks a minute when I go to see him. And I'm not going to talk about my pet cat or the the 49ers. You know, when I get there, I see this little meter running and I'm down to business. You know, that's the way you have to be with your doctor. You know, you want to make sure that you get the most out of that visit and you're there to take care of yourself.
1: I love that. Such a good message, especially the partnership, you know. I mean, I think for too long, doctors have been that sort of pedestal. And and I know in my practice, I've always tried to make, make an effort to really communicate that, you know, you're my boss, I'm here for you. So let's, let's make the most of our time together and uh, and let's really dig in and get to
2: the root of what's going on. So I love, you that. know, and, and information's, you know, ubiquitous now. I mean, there's, it's a, like, when I was at Harvard doing research, Harvard medical school library had a million volumes and, People around the world would come to spend days in the Harvard library looking stuff up, right? But now you got a little cell phone that has as much information as the Harvard library has. So my, my patients come in with stuff all the time. And I love it because I can't be looking at everything on the internet. So sometimes I'm like, well, you know, I actually know what this is you know, if you look at the ingredient list, it's the same as this. And sometimes I'm like, you know, this is just a scam. These people are just a, it's just a marketing ploy. And sometimes I'm like, you know what? Uh, let me, why don't you leave this with me? I'm going to look it up and I'm going to see if there's any any merit to it. I mean, someone uh, about six months ago was asking me about Botox for erectile dysfunction. And I, you know, I thought about it. I'm like, you know, the mechanism of action might make sense. I really, I looked up some stuff I didn't, there really wasn't that much in the literature. And then lo and behold, a week ago, there was an article that came out that was really well done that talked about Botox uh, injections for men who, um, you know, had erectile dysfunction and it was marginally beneficial. It was a fairly significant dose of, of Botox. So it's not cheap, but in the right patient at the right time, it might make sense. So it's always, you know, for me, it's always important to listen to my patients and listen with, uh, to the things that they bring in to me. Yeah, love that.
1: So, I mean, you brought, you brought the next topic up that I wanted to, to address, and that's erectile dysfunction. So, you know, what are some of the key things that you might um, illuminate for people when they're
2: coming in with that uh, symptom? Yeah, so the, the key thing for me, uh, one of the key things for me is erectile dysfunction is a circulation issue. Circulation problem. Okay. And when you're 20, when you wake up in the morning, every morning you have morning wood, right? Every guy knows that, right? But at some point, you lose that, whether it's in your 30s or 40s or 50s. So you have to take notice of that because that's the first sign that things aren't working the way they should be, right? That's the first sign that your circulation is declining. And that's a great time to do something because guess what? 10 or 15 years after you lose morning erections, you're going to be having sex one night and things aren't going to work as well. Right? And if you had done something 10 or 15 years before, like clean up your diet, exercise more, stop smoking, you know, get out of that super stressful job, uh, take a nitric oxide booster. So I make a supplement called Affirm. From a firm science that's a nitric oxide booster that improves circulation naturally. You know, it's basically beets and watermelon. Those are the simple things that you can do that will push back that day when things aren't going to work. Because for everyone, at some point in your life, things aren't going to work as well as they used to. Okay, but then say you're in your mid 50s and you have those nights where things aren't working anymore. Guess what's going to happen 10 years after that? So in your 50s, one or, the one or two millimeter arteries that go to the penis are getting blocked. But in your 60s, the three to four millimeter arteries that go to your heart called the coronary arteries are going to get blocked. So if you don't wake up and understand that you have a circulation issue in your 50s, then you're going to have a really big circulation issue in your sixties. And no one likes to really think about that, right? Like it's, it's not cool to think about erectile dysfunction as a circulation issue. For example, like say you're at work and uh, you got to take your dad to the cardiologist, right? And you tell everyone in the office, Hey guys, you know, listen, I'm going to be out this afternoon. I'm taking my dad to the cardiologist. He's having some heart problems and everyone's like, Oh, that's so nice. You know, what a good son you're taking your dad to the cardiologist. Then the next week, you're like, hey, guys, you know, listen, uh, my dad, he's got to go to the urologist. He's got erectile dysfunction. So we got to go get his dick checked at the urologist. You're not going to get that same reaction of warm fuzzy from the people in the office. But guess what? It's the same problem. Yeah. Uh It's just a different organ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it happens 10 years before you got to take your dad to the cardiologist.
1: That putting those two together is m- massively important, you know, because I think in some cases men are mo- more motivated by, you know, their member and not getting that morning wood than they are their heart even. So to, to, to link those two together, man, that's huge because obviously the fear of heart attack is also a strong motiv- motivator for many people. But it, it's that early, early sign of things aren't working properly. I, I love that. David, go ahead, bud.
0: No, I'm with you on that, man. I mean, most people don't make anywhere close to that association, right? And so they're not seeing that clock ticking little by little and leading to some other health issues. But I mean, you're right on, man. I mean, it's so important. Circulation. That's the superhighway, right? If we're not starting to carry things well, we're going to, it's going to just the body starts degrading
2: in other places. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. So the the heart pumps and the last two last places to get blood are the toes and the penis, right? But you don't get... Yeah. You don't get toe erections. I always sit, I was giving a talk at this golf club one time and I was, I was explaining that the the penis is the last place to get blood. And the guy's like, well, how come God just didn't put it right here in the chest. <laughs> oh my God. That's yeah. too funny. Oh man. It's, it's really fun uh, talking about this kind of stuff. Well, I love it, it. Cause
1: like you, you let up when you're talking about this and you know, I think it's, you know, it's, it just goes to show that your ability to reach people is because you, you make it fun, but you also make it really impactful and important for people to listen to. So oh uh, yeah. We laugh
2: know. so much at the office. It's really, it's really fun. That's I had this fun. one guy, right? So we're doing a, a um, so we do a P shot when it's part of a, a package, we, we charge a little bit less than when it's not part of a package. And so the, the, I told this guy, you know, it's part of a package. We'll charge you X amount of money. And and my, uh, I didn't tell the gal at my front desk. And so she's trying to charge him a little bit more. And he's he was getting upset. And I'm sitting in my office. And my office is pretty close to the front desk. And so I hear what's going on. And uh, and so I walk up there. And I'm like, oh, you know, dude, I forgot to tell you that we charge by the inch. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, how do you respond? He must have. Oh, like, he um, just uh, he lost it. He
2: lost <laughs> it. Okay. Well, it was nice to diffuse that situation in that way, but okay. So let me, if you don't mind, I'll get back to the development. of Okay. So you don't get toe erections. Okay. When blood pressure decreases to the toes, you get cold feet and you put socks on and that's the end of the story. But the penis is different with the penis. You have to achieve a certain level of blood pressure in the penis in order for the penis to work. And the way the penis works is as you increase the blood pressure, it blocks the backflow of venous blood back to the body. So it traps the blood in there, so you get a rigid erection. And the artery in the center of the penis continues to pump blood in, but the veins, which have thin walls, get trapped, and the blood gets trapped inside the penis. So you have to hit a threshold blood pressure. So think about it this way. If you're on a burning building, and the next building is six feet over. If you jump six feet, then you're in good shape. If you jump five feet, it's a long way down. So in the penis, if you achieve a blood pressure of say 100, it's a good night. But if you achieve a blood pressure of 95, it's not gonna be a good night. And so the goal of when a patient comes into my office is how can I improve the blood pressure in the penis, and how can I eliminate things that will decrease the blood pressure to make it more difficult. So things like stress, anxiety, um, create adrenaline, epinephrine, or cortisol, which decrease blood flow to the penis. So that's part of it, the psychological aspect. And then there's a whole physiologic aspect, which includes Nitric oxide boosters like firm PDE5 inhibitors like Cialis and Viagra, and then regenerative urology treatments, which is what really attracted me to go into sexual medicine, which is like low-intensity shockwave therapy, platelet-rich plasma, uh, penis pumps, and then some other really interesting uh, things like peptides and stem cells and... Uh, I'm doing uh high-intensity focused electromagnetic wave trials to see if that improves erectile function. I mean, it's really, it's uh it's a really exciting field. It really is.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no so, kidding. So, I'm, okay. so I'm, go, go ahead, ahead Nick. I just right.
2: want to ask, like, I mean, the sheer
1: number of people with cardiovascular disease, and you and you spelled out really well in the book too. I mean, just the amount of people on blood pressure medication, you know, what kind of impact is that playing
2: on erections? Oh, gosh, I hate, okay, so let me explain blood pressure medications. And blood pressure medications aren't bad. High blood pressure is bad, okay? But when you get put on a blood pressure medication, it's kind of a slippery slope down. So your heart is a pump. And as it pumps blood, it pumps blood into blood vessels, which have a certain resistance. And when you're younger and the blood vessels are more elastic, that resistance is lower. So you get much better perfusion of blood out to the periphery. Okay. But as you get older, the blood vessels get more stiff. And so there's more resistance. So the heart has to pump harder. And when the heart pumps harder, we call that high blood pressure. Okay, and your body measures blood pressure in two places. It measures it in the neck, in a place called the carotid body, and it measures it in the kidneys. Okay, and the reason for that is because one, blood pressure in the brain is the most important thing. If you lose your brain, then you know life's over. Uh, and the second most important—not second, well, one of the second most important places is the kidney because the kidney monitors electrolytes, monitors blood pressure and removes waste. And so those are three really super essential functions. And so that's why your body monitors blood pressure there. So if the blood pressure is high, your heart's working really hard and you don't want your heart to work too hard because the heart will give out or the muscles in the heart will get too big and it'll make the heart difficult to pump. So you give blood pressure to automatically relax blood vessels. Okay. And so then the carotid body and the kidney say, oh, great. We got better blood flow. So, you know, we're going to send message to the heart. Listen, you don't have to pump his heart. And the heart says, great, I don't have to pump his heart. But the hands, the toes, and the penis are like, what's up with that? You know, we're not getting the same blood flow that we used to get. But they have no way of communicating that to the heart because the carotid body and the kidney override everything in the body. So any blood pressure medication that you take, if you look at the list of side effects, it will include erectile dysfunction. So, but I, what I like to do is to use nitric oxide. And when I was at UCLA, my professors won the Nobel prize for discovering nitric oxide as a second messenger. And they discovered the mechanism of action of Viagra and If you take a nitric oxide booster, you increase the transmission of signals between nerves and blood vessels. And so you open up blood vessels naturally, not just blood vessels centrally, but also peripherally. So for example, my blood pressure usually runs 120 over 70, but I take two affirmed tablets at night and two affirmed tablets in the morning. And this year, my blood pressure was 110 over 65. And I routinely get my patients off at least one blood pressure medication. You shouldn't just start taking a firm and then go off your blood pressure medication. I have them take their blood pressure every day, morning and night with the same blood pressure machine at the same time while they're on a nitric oxide booster and then ask their physician permission to try to get off one of their, their blood pressure medications. And if their blood pressure stays at a reasonable level, then they can get off those medications. And if not, then, then don't do that. But you know, I don't tell a patient to not to do what their primary care doctor told them to do. But uh, if you do it in an intelligent way and you involve the primary care doc or the cardiologist as part of the team, I've gotten a lot of patients off their blood pressure medication. It has a very positive effect on erectile function awesome. Doc, I'm
0: curious, since we're talking about circulation, nitric nitric oxide and things, how do you feel about red light LED therapy? I
2: love it. Yeah. You know, red light boosts mitochondria and mitochondria are the powerhouse of cells. And another thing that I put uh, a lot of my patients on, there are really two supplements that are by far and away have the most data. One is nitric oxide boosters and the other is creatine. And, uh, and, you know, I focus on uh, muscle building in a lot of my patients, especially like, you know, everyone talks about muscle building in 20 year olds, 30 year olds. If you want to build muscle in a 20 year old, send them to McDonald's and then send them to the gym. (laughs) You know, any idiot can build muscle in a 20 year old. I mean, if you want to look like Mr. Olympia, it's a different story, but you know, I mean, 20 year olds have a testosterone of 900, uh, everything works. Okay, but I deal with a different population, my guys are over 50, and it's hard to build muscle over the age of 50, right? Your nerves don't function as well, your intestines don't function as well, so you don't absorb protein as well, you don't absorb macronutrients as well, your mitochondria don't kick out ATP like they should, Your Golgi apparatus and your endoplasmic reticulum don't make proteins like they're supposed to. Your DNA is getting damaged. You get chronic inflammation from eating all the crap that we all eat. Because even if we try to eat well, there's plastics and all this kind of stuff floating around. And so it's hard to build muscle after after 50. And guess what? Your testosterone drops 1% or 2% a year. Your insulin-like growth factor is dropping. Your human growth hormone is dropping. Everything's dropping. And guess what? Soon you're going to drop too. But there are things that you can do to extend your health span, not just lifespan, but health span, right? Your ability to stay healthy and active. And when I I see my patients in their late 60s and 70s, a lot of these guys, you know, I'm in the Bay Area. There's a lot of affluent people. They're really interesting people. They're Google, Apple, Facebook, Lawrence Livermore Lab, Oracle. They want to enjoy the rest of their life, right? And how do you enjoy the rest of your life? You need good muscle strength, especially in the legs, right? If you don't have good leg strength, guess what? As you get older, your balance goes, right? Because your eustachian tubes are messed up and the the hair on the semicircular canals doesn't work as well. So you're more likely to, to fall, right? And your ligaments and tendons don't react as quickly. Your nerves don't work as well. So guess what? You're gonna fall. But if you have better leg strength, you're much less likely to fall. Okay. So uh, you know, one of the things I look at all the time in the in-body is leg strength. Guys are used to building beach muscles, right? Beach muscles are great when you're younger and you want to pick up chicks, but when you're 60 or 70 or 80 and you trip, you want to make sure that you have good leg muscles. Or if you're traveling and you got to walk upstairs, or you got to walk around the, you know, Rome for three or four hours in a day. Or you want to go play with your grandkids. You know, it's leg strength, it's balance, it's core strength. Those are the things that are super important. And those are the kind of things that I focus on in my patients who are in their 60s and 70s and 80s, because that has so much more of an a, a impact on quality of life than, you know, building your biceps and triceps in the gym when you're 20s. But that's what everyone writes about. That's what all the pictures in the magazines, you know, uh, a 65 year old guy with a sunken chest and wimpy biceps doesn't make for a a good picture on the front of Muscle Digest. But those are the guys that really need it the most.
1: Mm. I love that. Um, That message, I mean, it's just so important. You know, for us guys, I mean, David and I, David, you're almost 40, right? Or you're you just there. Turned forty this year, brother. That's right. Wow. So I mean, like, this is the time to for us men to really step up and, and be proactive. And honestly, Judson, when you when you said you're in your fifties, man, I was like, there's no way. Like, you're you're you you look amazing. Like, you're really. It's that
2: uh, skinny skin. filter. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, he's he's full of shit. We know he's not. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's, you're, you're truly a testament to like, you know, living the principles that you wrote about in your book and I love everything you're sharing. And there, there's too many questions I've got for you. I would love to get you back on and dive into some more, but the stuff you shared today was, was really powerful stuff, you know, really important stuff that all of us men are thinking about maybe, you know, in the back of our mind initially, but it's something that becomes a real issue as, as you know, more time goes on. Um, so I, I, I want to sort of get your thoughts on, on a quote that, that I love, and when when I read when I read this quote, I'm like, yeah, I, I you know I'm I'm one of his tribe. I, I get where you're going with this, and it was a Tolkien quote, and you know it's everything that, that you're speaking to right now. And, and the Tolkien quote, uh, J.R. Tolkien, you know the the Lord of the Rings guy. For those of you guys who are tuning in, don't know who that is. So all we have to decide is what we what to do with the time that is given to us and man like what you're presenting here is really that like we all have a choice to stand up and be so much more than than you know than how we're living this life we we live in a world just so deep in complacency and we just let, you know, life happen to us. And, and you know, you're sharing such powerful information. It's allowing people to take life by the, the reins and really do something about it. And it's time for us, men to really step out, out into that possibility. And not just kind of, oh, I don't I'm just going to deal with that. I'm just going to let that, you know, show up in my life. And it's going to be another thing I pack on to, you know, to the reality of living in this body. Like, no, like, let's, let's do something different and, and speak to that health span as you did. So... Um, any, you know, any, you know, last thoughts uh, before we say goodbye
2: today, Judson? Yeah, I mean, uh, that that quote, honestly, that, I get shivers up my spine every time I I, yeah. I I hear that quote because it it means so much to me because there's another chapter in the book that really meant a lot to me that uh, Robert Juan Figlio, the president of the California Psychological Association, wrote, and I asked him to write it on the work-life balance And after he wrote it and I read it, I said, you know, I I want, it's so important to me that I need to to put my two cents in there. And so I wrote a a two-page kind of sidebar called The Work-Life Pendulum. Because to me, there's never really a balance. Very, very few people I've ever met that said, you know, I'm perfectly balanced between work and life you know, for me, it's always a pendulum, like either I'm working too much, and I have to pull back. And then, you know, not that I'm spending too much time with the kids, but you know, the demands of work need to take over. And so it's like, you all you hope that the pendulum doesn't swing too far into divorce, or, you know, into losing your job, because you know, you're goofing off at work. Uh, you just try to keep that pendulum in some sort of reasonable range so that you can uh, you can have the best of both worlds. but the other theme that I use to frame the book is the hero's journey mm-hmm. and uh, you know i when when your listeners get the book i'd recommend that they read the because it 's a massive book over nine hundred pages, but it's not nine hundred pages for everyone. Read the introduction, read. How to read this book, and then read the first chapter, which is the hero's journey, and then go through the table of contents and find the chapters that really relate to you. But the concept of the hero's journey is that you're the hero of your own journey. You know, Tiger Woods. You know, he's a hero, sports hero, but he's got his own journey. He's got his own problems. You know, or uh, any anyone that's in the news that you think is great. They have their own journey. They have their own problems. No one goes through life and has everything perfect. But it's up to you to focus on yourself and the decisions that you make because you can be the hero of your family. You can be the hero of your workplace. You can be the hero of your community or your church or your, you know, wherever you associate with people, you can be the hero and the. Decisions that you make and how you allocate your time and your energy really uh, can be impactful. And so, really focus in a mindful way on the decisions you make and how they impact you and the people around you. Love it. And that's really what the book is about: is to help you take good care of yourself so that you can take care of yourself and you can take care of other people around you. It's amazing. Doc, thank you,
0: Dan. This was awesome. It was a blast hanging out with you today.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it's a, a yeah, pleasure.
1: I love that before we got a chance to connect with you on on the the call here, you send a picture of your gorgeous family. You know, you you're truly a family man. You know, not not afraid to you know speak his truth to the world, and and you know, no doubt your uh, passion for for what you do is rubbed off on your children and um thanks for being dr dad man like it's oh it's thanks great a lot but you know
2: me. i send those pictures but you know that's like the, what we look like on our best day <laughs> <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> there's <laughs> a lot of work that goes into like <laughs> gathering all that and... yeah no, <laughs> it, i know i get uh, it yeah i get it so but anyway yeah.
1: that's a you, facebook
2: moment for you right
1: there. yeah that's it that's where we're, we're living our best life and on <laughs> facebook <right? laughs> beautiful pictures <laughs> All right, doc. Thank you so much. Uh, Thanks a lot, Nick. Thanks a lot. We we just, we got a fraction of this brilliant. So yeah, yeah. You gotta,
2: you, you, people have to buy the book. You know, I, I put my heart and soul in and everything that I've learned over the past 25 years about men's health and everyone in my network uh, of, of, of consultants and all of what they know. uh, And it's, it's available for, for anyone at the 21st century man.com all all letters and if you want to pick up some supplements it's at affirmscience.com and if you want to learn about me it's MD.com and our clinical research and all the cool stuff that we're doing uh
1: amazing yeah we'll put all that in the show notes as well thank you for sharing you got it and uh yeah look forward to the next time you get to connect awesome Take thanks care. a lot nice